You are listening to Future Voices, a podcast brought to you by Beha Futures Foundation. Hello everyone, welcome to Futures Voices podcast, a podcast of the Beha Futures Foundation. I am Aida Hadid and I am the host today. Usually I would have Eddie with me doing the podcast, but due to the, all of the many projects that we are doing at the Beha Futures Foundation, he was unable to attend today. But I'm sure that the positive energy and the beautiful story of a wonderful Ivana Devic, who is our today's guest, is going to cheer us all up and fill our day with lots of inspiration. Welcome, Ivana Devic. Hi, everyone. I'm glad to be able to share my story with you. I hope you'll get some useful information and hopefully some inspiration too. I'm so confident it's going to inspire everyone listening to the podcast. The story starts with being born in a small village in Bosnia and Herzegovina, like an old child, attending primary and high school, completing your education. And parallel to that, she was spending her time with less privileged children who she was giving tutorials in math, in English and other subjects, just trying to give them more hope and helping them through their everyday lives, excelling in every single subject and then making it to an Ivy League university, where she currently not only studies at, but also acts as an assistant. In addition to all of that, she's also doing a triathlon, combining thus her passion for both science and environment and sports and overall well-being. But I'm not going to reveal too much. I'm going to let the word to Ivana. So Ivana, please tell us a little bit more about yourself. Uh, so currently I'm a sophomore at Dartmouth College in New Hampshire, uh, United States. Uh, it's uh, one of the Ivy League schools in US and I'm really grateful for the opportunity to be here. Uh, luckily, this area reminds me of my background as well. I was born in a rural place in northern Bosnia called Snjagatina, which is one um, probably less than 500 people village near the city of Banja Luka. I was born there and then I spent my up to my middle school years there. And after that, I transferred to high school in the city of Banja Luka, where I learned about what I want to do in got through process of applying to college and that's how I ended up here. I want to inspire people to believe in themselves and be able to get what they deserve. Uh, you had a lot of activities that you were pursuing during your middle school days, during high school and you received the James Friedman Presidential Scholarship. So, yeah. so uh, since middle school I was doing a lot of like school competitions from regional level to like after national level. Um, first, it started kind of weirdly because I, I was really into learning and I, I almost read like half of my middle school library, which included like old communist books and stuff like that. Um, I was mm -hmm. doing a lot of um, like any school competition that was offered. So even though I'm very obvious STEM person, my first competition I actually did was on history of Bosnia in medieval ages so it was pretty fun and after that I was mostly focused on math and physics which I did throughout high school. Um, I went to one international Olympiad in Moscow that was pretty fun I got to meet a lot of new people but even though I was um, focused on like science in high school I knew that I would like to do something that's more hands-on and it's more like a practical application and it's gonna help people especially people 
for like in our country in a very bad energy situation where we do not really have our voice out front. It's more of the interest like of the corporations that kind of use our resources and we're kind of on the bad end of that energy trade-off when our um, environment gets polluted. So that's what kind of inspired me to go more into environmental engineering, which I'm kind of doing now. Um, so when I got in college, I immediately joined the sustainability office. I was able to get a first-year internship where I learned a lot about how sustainability works on campuses and got a more realistic perspective on just the sustainability issues in more developed world. And then after that, I started doing research with certain professors in engineering department. And I made a project about transportation systems, which I'm doing now for my presidential scholarship. It's kind of a scholarship where you... So you have to have certain like grade point average to be able to qualify. And then the rest of that is just finding your project because you have to kind of make your own project and finding a faculty mentor that's going to help you guide that project. So one of my faculty mentor is actually one of my academic advisors and he's super helpful and supportive. And I'm really grateful to have that hands-on opportunity in early years of college and I think really very it makes me really privileged to be able to experience that with not a lot of trouble. Yeah but it's not that you were just a good student you were also contributing as far as I remember from our conversation you were giving tutorials and you were working with less privileged children. Yeah so in high school I was doing um I was a peer educator for foster care that was there was a big foster care uh, in the place in the city where I went to high school in Banya Luka. So since my sophomore year of high school throughout my senior year, I was working for with children in foster care. I was mostly peer tutoring them in math and English because that was that those were kind of burning issues. But I would also do some um, whatever they needed. A lot of them did not go to like grammar schools. They were going to schools that um, train you to one specific thing, like maybe if you want to be a plumber or something. So it, they would sometimes need uh, more help with the subjects that are very tailored to the job they're going to do. And the professors were sometimes not understanding because when you're a teenager, and especially if you're living in foster care and having family troubles and a lot of mental health issues at the side, it's really a lot for a young person to be going through that. And lack of support in school system for these kids is really not something that's helping them. So so I was working there for three years. It was voluntary work. I made a lot of connections. I was working from kids to... One year I was having a reading club for kids aged 6 to 12. And my first year I was working for middle schoolers and early years of high school. I remember first time I was there, I got home so so drained because it was really hard you have to kind of adjust your teaching style to the person you're working with because it's not always nice and they're not always going to be up to learn they might want to talk to you or just like don't want to do anything or throw temper tantrums and you really have to push through that so I remember I got home and I was convinced I told my friend I'm never gonna teach again but I went back next week and I kept going for three years and then when I graduated from high school all the kids I was tutoring 
they came to my prom, which is really nice. That's very nice. And it's also uh, good you mentioned it because people, they really forget about the fact that it's, it can be really difficult to work with children from less privileged societies because, as you said, they go through a lot of mental trouble, a lot of emotional trouble. And the, the person working with that group of people get a secondary depression and it's something that is uh, underestimated uh, among our society and so good that you mentioned uh, the problem and the difficulty of mental health because that's definitely something we need to uh, raise more awareness about especially now that we have European Fitness Week which is aside from everything also supposed to contribute to higher mental and physical health and uh, you are someone who also takes care about that You're very active in the area of sport. Yes. Um, so when I was in high school, I was really interested in outdoorsy stuff, but I never really had opportunity because I was always in just preparing for competitions and we didn't really have that sports culture that developed. Now you come to an Ivy League college who is yeah, renowned for it. Everyone that... I talked to in the first week of college was like, oh, I did swimming in high school. I did cross country in high school. And then I was like, oh, okay, I run to classes in high school. I guess that's something. <laughs> and so I joined, there was this orientation week where we were exposed to like a lot of different clubs. And initially I wanted to join the cheerleading club because I really liked their dresses. And I thought it would be cool for me to get a dress and a like little bow. <laughs> but then my friend was oh you do want to join triathlon and I said yeah why not and then yeah I'm still in triathlon club over the, the course of these two years that I've been here we have weekly we have weekly six to seven practices that include all the three we have like two swim practices per week few runs and a few cycling sessions unfortunately due to COVID now I was only able to run So now I'm averaging like 25 to 30 miles per week for running because there is no other exercise opportunity. And um, it's it's been greatly helpful to my both mental and physical health and just made me feel a lot better about myself and more confident in um, exploring nature and my physical abilities. And also it it's nice to have that opportunity finally to have all these sports resources free like at your hand <laughs> do you plan to do an Ironman uh I don't know I that's certainly goal but I never never run more than a half marathon so now I'm trying to build up to that and the only trials when I did was the shortest distance because this year the all the big races were cancelled but I definitely I think I'm gonna do a half Ironman by the end of my senior year And I remember possibly in the future. The thing I'm missing now is a bike. So I'm hoping the team will uh, give me one of our spare bikes. But our storage is now locked due to COVID. So I'm kind of really ex excited for that because I've been running so much and I would like my legs to get a break. <laughs> cool for everyone who is willing and motivated to sponsor you a bike. <laughs> Here's your opportunity to sponsor this amazing woman. <laughs> <laughs> That would be great. I'm, I'm not like naturally bored sports person, but I'm really persistent and I enjoy what I'm doing. So I think that's all what matters in the end. 
Yes, and that's also the reason why this is successful in your in your research and your work. People think that when you do research, that's the only thing you're doing. That's actually uh, one of the reasons why Ivy Leagues, I think, are so renowned for the yeah. name Ivy. Yeah, so League. Ivy League is actually the name is just for the sports league. Yes, actually the football league, which my college won last year. We're really happy. I didn't know any rules of the American football, but I went to... So we had free trip to New York to watch our college play versus Princeton at the Yankee Stadium. And they won. And it was really cool to see all the people so happy. It was November and it was super duper cold in New York City. And some of the alumni of our college were so cheering and so hyped that they were shirtless with Dartmouth painted with them, even though it was freezing cold and I had the winter coat on and I couldn't feel my hands or feet. <laughs> wow, that's a cool thing. So you kicked Princeton. Yeah, we kicked Princeton. We kicked Harvard. We beat all the colleges. That's a life yeah. goal. Yeah, it was really cool. I think a lot of our student population is either affiliated with some sport, varsity sports team that compete in Ivy League or they're doing club sports. It's really big thing and Dartmouth is kind of known as really outdoorsy and sportsy place. We are located in this part of US, it's pretty rural and outside of forest and mountains, there's nothing much to do in Hanover. I mean, except school, of course. So people who go here are really into hiking and climbing, which I'm trying to get into, but it's a learning process. That's really cool. And you're anyway a learning fellow. Yes. Tell us about um, that. So I was a learning fellow, which is kind of a teaching assistant minus the boring part of grading people's problem sets. So learning fellows are kind of designed to help students during class to acquire new material. I was a learning fellow for introduction to scientific computing class, which gathers students from different backgrounds and kind of gives them a crash course on programming and object-oriented programming in 10 weeks. You learn C and MATLAB. Yeah, it was really interesting because it was my first remote term, so I had to kind of adjust to remote term and to being a learning fellow. I was only a tutor before, but it was really nice to see people who were not able to, like, write a single line of code, be able to write their own game after five weeks of work. It was really interesting to see the learning curve and to just to be there and know how students appreciate you. At the end of that experience, the professor I was working on, she collected the students' feedback about us, all the nice things they said, and she printed them in a nice shirt that had, kind of had like computer shape. She put all of their words that they said you were like really optimistic, helpful, encouraging, brilliant, blah, 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 all of that. And it was so sweet of them. And they also picked like your favorite color, which is so nice. I was really excited to get that. And it's also really exciting when you meet the students you were helping later on and see how they're thriving in their classes and to know you kind of took part in that. And you also contribute to betterment of other things at your campus. You're really devoted. So you also worked on uh, implementation of making the Invisible Visible campaign. Tell us a little bit more about that. Oh, yeah, of course. So that was my freshman job. That was the first thing I was doing at Dartmouth. I joined this freshman internship at the sustainability office. I didn't really know what I was doing at that point because I just arrived to the United States with like two suitcases and a big hat. <laughs> so that program is meant for freshmen to design their own sustainability project. So we were kind of look, 
so we spent like few months just design thinking and looking at the problems we had on campus. And then we decided to make that campaign that's kind of highlighting some not so visible problems that are not so like, you know, in the spotlight, but they're actually really important and contribute a lot to the just the environmental impact on campus. Okay. So our campaign mostly focused on um, food waste because Dharma is not a big school. It's like 4,000 undergrads, which is fairly small for United States University, but there is a lot of food waste. So we're just showcasing how much food waste is there. And we were collaborating with several different local organizations just to donate untouched food to homeless shelters and stuff like that and to encourage people to not waste that much food. Then we also had a program with... um, uh, it was, we tried to work with the Greek life because Greek life is really a big part of uh, Dartmouth social culture. And big part of Greek life is the beer pong. And beer pong uses a lot of plastic cups, okay. which really is a lot of waste and plastics. Even though it's recyclable, the actual recycling process is really hard. And it's kind of, we're sort of recycling crisis in the United States. Just minimizing your plastic waste is way better than trying to recycle more because recycling is expensive and you cannot recycle all the kinds of plastics because companies try to greenwash their products. Uh, then what do we do? Yeah, we also had, um, so we had all that branding just to make people more aware, just like stickers, merch. I was designing all of that because I had, a lot of creative input because I knew how to draw and that, that was kind of my hook. What would you suggest could be the best in the future to do a campaign to um, reduce waste? But on the other hand, we have the problem of production. In order to keep the economy going, there needs to be production. But on the other side, we produce waste. So there's always a trade-off. How would you design yeah, I think um, there is enough waste to keep people going to like kind of dealing with that. I think one of the shifts is just to convert into more reusable reusable items. So when I got here, the first thing I got was reusable spork, which is kind of spoon and a fork yes. at, at the in the same end. So and we got we have these containers, this food program at Dharma that's called Green to Go, which is reusable containers. So if you're in the rush and you don't want to sit in the dining hall, I actually have it with me. So you get this green box that's reusable. And you can put your food there. And if you don't want to use it again, you can return it. And they're going to clean it and sanitize it. And you can get a new one. Or you can get a clipper that you can read later on trade in for the reusable one, which got a lot, which helped a lot with the single-use containers and single-use utensils. We can't really put all the like halts and individuals because it's not actually how it works. You know what? Or we could do it and promote it uh, in the same method as with plastic bags. If you use something, even um, if it's reusable, whatever, for a spoon and fork, you have to pay for it. But on the other hand, um, we can slightly push people to carry their own ones like they do with coffee bottles or water yes, bottles. Uh, yes. So the neighboring state, Vermont, I'm in the state of New Hampshire, but the neighboring state of Vermont recently banned all the single-use plastics, so you can't sell, like, plastic bags. You have to bring your own or use a paper bag. Good. And I know, like, big countries like India have done that, so it's really kind of trade-off 
between government policies and individual. I know, like, people have different opinions, especially, like, my parents. They think that's not that severe. But just because you don't see it in oh, your yes. backyard oh, doesn't yes. mean it's not we severe. Do, you know, when we see it, we do, we do see it after heavy rain. And when suddenly rivers, after that, when they start uh, slowing down, how many plastic bags and all of the trash that's around. Yeah, I think it's also because a lot of Japanese are not, the, not like, regulated. Just yes. people make wild ones. And it's hard to kind of... I know I experienced that with our neighbors and my grandparents. It's hard to explain to people that when you have to pay for that service for people to take your trash out. And yeah. they're like, oh, I don't want to pay. I'm just going to throw it in the river. No, that's wrong. You can't <laughs> do that. But old people are just... We have to kind of mediate between generations and stuff that's important. Yes, and talking about food waste, um, there is the fact that there is enough food in the world, but so much poverty. So definitely just a re-systematization of how food is being distributed could help improve the world so much, which, which you're working on. You're working on the betterment, as we said, through these campaigns that you're doing. You're invited to work on improving the online experience in... Uh, did I see something Yes. Like so I was working with a lot of, since I got a lot of experience through my learning fellow work with like online platforms, I was helping one of the professors design online curriculum for his physics classes. So that was good. And I'm now working as um, one of my TA jobs is Dartmouth Emerging Engineers, which kind of helps First-year engineering students with their early engineering classes, they're just math prerequisites, chemistry, physics. It's its a lot because you have students from all around the world and not everyone has the same internet connection or same resources. So you kind of have to help them mediate that, those differences to get the college experience they deserve. With all of the things that you've been doing so far, what do you plan to do for the future? For your own in terms of career your research so it kind of changes every term because i get a new class and i get really immersed in that and my interest shifts a little bit every time but as of now i would like to pursue energy engineering career i'm currently on the lookout for internships and just like applying to a bunch of engineering internships for the summer and some shadowing work in the winter because I'm not sure whether I'm going to be able to leave back for Bosnia or no and just to figure out the paperwork status but I'm thinking that I would definitely going to work something that's uh, regarding to optimization of our energy consumption. One of my ideal positions would be just working with big cloud centers because they're increasingly popular, but they consume a lot of energy. And that's certainly, I think, one of the areas where we can get a good trade-off. And what about your plans regarding Bosnia? Do you have any plans to return or do you rather want to travel around the world? I don't know because it's different. I have been, um, I feel like I've been uh, out of Bosnia for a little bit too kind of have a good perspective on what's going on right now. I would certainly like to be a part of some projects in Bosnia, but living in Bosnia, I don't know if would that be like something that aligns with my current work style and just like the fast-paced lifestyle I've been in for past few years. But I certainly like to be involved and just to 
be one of the factors that's going to push it forward. Okay. I feel like a lot of our people are just trapped in sedentary lifestyle and just kind of having very pessimistic outlook on life. I feel like we have more potential. You know what? You mentioned a few key words. I see you are, I'm kind of forecasting, you're becoming a very active member of the Beha Futures family and you will have your mentees, am I right? I think that sounds about right. Cool, so very soon we're going to have you as a mentor. I enjoy my mentorship roles and I think it's very important relationship usually that can leave a long-lasting impact on people because sometimes what we need is just like someone to believe in us and like push us farther so I think a lot of people can benefit from that oh yes we will definitely benefit from you we all want to contribute and to improve the overall situation in Bosnia-Herzegovina but also to help empower youth thank you so much for your willingness to contribute and to work for us I'm very sure that you're, that you're going to have a lot of things to offer your skills your You know, you're inspiring nature. You're basically very inspiring. You know, it, it takes a lot. And I really urge people to look at what an Ironman is and what it means to do a triathlon. Because, okay, we know you do a lot of engineering. You do your research. It's very, it's very important. You, you're, you're a teaching assistant and there is a lot of work to do. As you mentioned, I'm sure that your students uh, benefit also a lot from your mentorship. Yeah, I've been having a really nice relationship with all my QTs. And I'm now a mentor for two first generation students by first generation I mean people like me whose parents did not go to college yeah so I have a, one of my mentees is from Ghana and one of them is uh, from Pakistan so we learn a lot from each other it's not a one-sided relationship although I help them a lot with picking up the correct workload and finding your place here at Dartmouth in the world they also help me and they teach me so much stuff Oh, yes. about just their life, their culture. And it's really, I'm really grateful for all those relationships. You know what? I think that this was the kickoff of a new mentor at Beha Futures. I'm sure that students, when they hear about all of your experience and the things that you're doing, they're just going to, you know, regardless of the area they're working in, they're just going to be like, I want to have Ivana David, please, as my mentor. <laughs> yeah, I have a lot of experience in different areas, either through high school or here. The only challenge my mentees usually have is just scheduling because it's it's a very busy time right now I think for everyone tell us how do you organize all of your time people would think like how do you have time to, to study to do your research to be a teaching assistant and do all of your sports activities like how do you schedule your time I think it was a learning process before because There was this one saying I heard when I got to college. It's you can do everything, but you can you can do anything, but you cannot do everything, which was kind of guilty of because I always put a lot of things. But now I think it's important to acknowledge that you can really realistically expect of yourself that you're going to be working eight hours straight. You have to allow yourself to take some breaks and just like put planned breaks and activities like I have to find time to run and I have to have time to eat and the rest is going to work out. Also, the one of the nice things is if it's not done by, my, by midnight, it's not going to be done tonight. You're just going to get up early. So I think getting up early and having very fixed schedule and being on top of what I have to do for the day is really helpful. Dartmouth College is on quarter system. So once you're a bit behind, uh, a lot of material kind of hits you up and you're 
kind of drowning in work, but it's always manageable. And one of the good things is that you always can ask for help, either from your peers, tutors, or from teaching assistants, or from your professor. There are also people like you. And if you're really struggling, if your family is not doing all right, or if you were sick as I used to be um, in freshman year, you can just tell them and they're usually understanding. And maybe you don't even need that help, but it's good to know that you're not alone. So my best friends right now are Google Calendar and my alarm, which is set to old Yugoslavia song because I was joking that's like working motivation because working culture was a big part of that. Okay, which so, song? Hey Slovenia. So <laughs> as long as I, since I had that song as my alarm, I, I love never the song. Slept. I love the song as well. <laughs> yeah, it's really like ceremonial so I get up and I'm like I'm ready to make people proud now oh yes <laughs> working to make the nation proud <laughs> yes it's so amazing so, so yeah uh, I think people really embrace the crunch culture here while in Bosnia we really embrace like laid-back culture and taking a lot of time just to do things and have fun and I think we can find a healthy balance but sometimes it requires more requires us to be more on the crunch side sometimes we have to be on more on the laid back side but in the end uh, it's important to go with like feels right what feels right for you and of course to be mindful of things that are like really mandatory okay that's that's good it's a really good set of advice that you are giving all of us who are listening to the podcast and everyone who is in the Beha Futures family, anyone, like really, apparently you are just a student, but you get so many things done and studying at Dortmund is really not an easy task. It means like a lot of hard work, but it also shows that regardless of any hard work that you have and all of the material that you have to study, you can find things like sports and recreation, anything, and you can do something good for society if you just organize your time well. Yes. Yeah, I hope people will draw some inspiration from my words. I know that what works for me might not work for everyone, but it's always good to see how other people do. At the end, any work is better than no work. Exactly. Thank you so much, dear Ivana, for all of your time. I know that it's busy. It's really difficult to be a student at a university, like an Ivy League university. And thank you for your, all of your impressive stories. I'm sure that the audience will enjoy listening to the podcast. And we have really good news for Eddie and all of us in the Beha Futures Foundation, that we have a future new mentor. And I would end it with this. Aida Hadid on the other line was my guest, Ivana Devic. This was Beha Futures Voices podcast. Thank you for having me. Please do not hesitate to reach out to me if you have any questions. Thank you.